0: Worship this morning. Good job, Sophia. Praise God. I love that. Uh, I love that that song we were singing. Good, good Father. He talked about He's calling us deeper still. You know, so many people in the church want to stay where they can touch the bottom. You know, but God invited Ezekiel to get out beyond where he could touch. He's calling us deeper still. You know, yesterday during prayer, uh, we were uh, at our Irondale campus. We have prayer every Saturday morning, and there's something the Lord put in my heart. Uh, one of the people there read a verse from Psalm chapter 2 that says that when they come against the Lord and His Christ and have them into reason, it says, He that sits in the heavens shall laugh. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we talked about this today. We're, he's seated in heaven, but we're seated with Him. Amen. Ephesians says He's raised us up together and caused us to sit with Him. So positionally, you may be sitting here in, in a warrior today, but spiritually, positionally, you, you're seated with Him. Amen. And it says that He that sits in the heavens shall laugh. Amen.
1: Thank you.
0: Praise God. That's awesome. Amen. And this came up in my heart. There's a verse in Ecclesiastes that says there's a time to weep and a time to mourn. But it's time to laugh. Amen. Thank you know, Jesus. there's a verse in Job that says, At destruction and famine thou shalt laugh. Yeah. Well, so many times something comes up and people will quote that verse. Well, you know, the Bible says, At destruction and famine thou shalt laugh. But it didn't say to quote the verse. It said to
1: laugh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it said to laugh.
1: Amen.
0: I know that sounds crazy to the natural mind to laugh at problems, but at the beginning of this year on New Year's Eve, the Lord gave us the word that this would be a year of facing and overcoming giants. And when David faced Goliath, he ran to the battle. Uh, the word the Lord gave us was that, that uh, five is the number of grace in the Bible. And when David stooped down, he picked up five smooth stones. He only needed one, so that meant there was plenty of grace left over for him. Amen. If he missed the first one, There'd be plenty of grace left over. But what Goliath got so mad about, he said, You're mocking me by sending this youth out to me. Well, many times in the in the Gospels, you'll see that Jesus said something when he went to raise Jairus' his daughter from the dead. It says they laughed into scorn. Well, the word scorn means you give no respect to anything. And this is another thing the Lord said to me this morning he said, Your giant does not deserve your respect. Ooh, that's good. New Year's Eve, the Lord said to us that David did not look at Goliath and say, Why is this happening? He didn't say, what are you doing? He said, how dare you? You have no covenant with our God. Who do you think you are? He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. It's time to laugh. You know, the world wants us to weep and mourn and cry with everything that's going on. But if you're seated with a view from above, you can laugh. (laughs) Glory to God. So, that's just an appetizer. How about that? Amen. So we're, we're happy to be here today, guys. My name is Alan Duke. Melissa and I now, for about the past two years, have been the associate pastors at Life of Faith in Irondale. This is my wife, Melissa. Will you stand up for a minute? We've been uh, married almost 38 years this year, this September. She's put up with me that long. You know? uh, we've been together, dating in all uh, 41 years. So y'all know we met in kindergarten, right? Uh, Proverbs 4. 12, verse 4 says that a, a virtuous woman, a worthy wife, earnest and strong in character, is a crowning joy to her husband. That's the Amplified Classic. So that's what she is to me. She's a crowning joy. We have two boys that are uh, grown and uh, they're married. And thank God they're paying their own bills now. What, what freedom. What freedom that is. And then we have two granddaughters that we're really kind of ashamed of. We don't we don't talk about them a lot. I literally have 13,874 pictures of them on my phone. So we love them, but we, we got the opportunity to to live near them. Uh, we, we moved into the same neighborhood with them about four months ago. We're right down the street, you get to see them all the time. So praise the Lord. Now we came up in a Rama church. Uh, Melissa and I were members of a church for over 26 years. I was on the worship team. Uh, Melissa actually was the membership director there for many years. Uh, so we cut our teeth on the integrity of God's Word. Amen. We, we cut our teeth on that. And we still believe in that. Uh, over the past five years, we've been on a journey uh, that's led us here today. And we'll tell you a little bit about that today. We graduated from Karis Bible College two years ago. Uh, we have a, a, an Irondale campus where we actually have a, a satellite campus of uh, Karis Bible College. We graduated there. And thank God... Uh, we were able to become pastors there, loving it, having, every, having the time of our life. Awesome. And we love these guys right here. I tell you what, we're cut from the same cloth. Yes. There's such a kindred spirit between us and Brad and Selena, and, and we love them and their family. You know, I, I told uh, Selena this, Brad, I think you were in Royal Rangers that night, uh, Wednesday night a, a month or so ago. That I see you guys just like on Thanksgiving, you see the pictures of the Horn of Plenty? There's just plenty in you. Yeah. So much on the inside of you. What a spiritual legacy you're setting up. Amen. Praise God. And, and you're full? And there's plenty. Uh, Paul said this. He said, I'll be delivered by prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. That supply is unending. And you're planting that in the people here. And, and Pastor Kevin, glad to see you, brother, stepping into a calling. I just believe something's breaking free in you today. Amen. Praise the Lord. And I love their family, you know. Their kids intimidate me a little bit because they're smarter than I am. <laughs> we had dinner with them not too long ago and I said, where's the children's table? I need a coloring book, please. I, Sophia's here quoting case law from uh, you know the Darwinism and they're talking about the theory of relativity. I'm like, I'm out. I'm just totally out. So. Anyway, if y'all will open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is a verse that the Lord... I get the privilege of working with all the leaders of all the teams and the, the pastoral staff and just get the honor of of working alongside with brad and selena but this is a a verse the lord gave me about the leaders uh, of the church this year and it's such a heart of ministry this is what i love about it second corinthians chapter 12 and verse 14 he says behold the third time i'm ready to come to you and i will not be burdensome to you you know ministry should not be burdensome it should not be burdensome he said this and i love this phrase he said i seek not yours but you I'm not looking for anything from you. I'm looking at you. He says, for the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. Now, so, for so many years in Christendom, people got off track with thinking that everybody ought to lay up for the, the preachers and take care of the preachers. It's almost like the Levitical priesthood. Everybody's taking care of me. But Paul uses the example here of parents and children. He said, you know, we're called, ministers many times are called spiritual fathers to people. Because they're pouring into people's lives and they're helping them grow. He says, I don't expect the children to lay up for the parents. The parents lay up for the children. I'm not looking for you to do anything for me. I'm looking to pour into you. Amen. He goes even further. And those of us that are pastoring will understand this verse. He says in verse 15, I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Yeah. That's the heart of ministry. Yes, We'll spend and we'll be spent for you to the point where we're looking for nothing from you but to put something into you. And he says again, think we excuse ourselves into you. Now in this era of what I call post-scandal evangelism, you know, <laughs> people have to excuse everything they say. So hopefully we won't have to do that so much today. Yeah. If you'll understand the Spirit, if you know these guys at all, and those of you that are visiting, we can just tell you a little bit about them today. But he says, do we need to excuse ourselves to you? We speak before God in Christ. Brothers, we do all things dearly beloved for your edifying. That's the heart of ministry. That's the heart of our church. And like I said, this is the verse that so describes so well life of faith. You know, um, over the past several years, Melissa and I have had the opportunity to be behind the scenes uh, as part of the pastoral staff. We've traveled with these guys. We've prayed with them. We've fellowshiped with them. we traveled to the top of Pikes Peak with them. That was a fun experience. We've seen them at good. We've seen them at their best. We've seen them at their worst. And what I can tell you is this. We've never seen not one speck of anything in Brad or Selena, and Kevin, and Mark or Jennifer, who are our senior pastors at Life of Faith Irondale, are, and Melissa and ourselves not one speck of anything that's designed to take anything from anybody, but always to give, always to put something into people, always to help people grow and develop and reach their potential. That's ministry. Praise the Lord. So, today what I kind of want to talk to you guys about... Uh, is uh, we have a uh, Sunday morning Bible class at the Irondale campus called Bible and Biscuits. Where else but in the South can you have a class called Bible and Biscuits? (laughs) I love that name. Uh, Our our pastor, uh, one of our executive pastors, John Fant, came up with that. But I was asked to teach the Sunday morning Bible class back in February, and the, the, the subject that the Lord put on my heart was developing spiritual maturity. When He first told me, about that. I thought, I don't know enough about that to write it on a piece of confetti and have room left over. <laughs> just, I don't know enough about that. But as I began to study it, the Lord began to open some things up to me. Now, this is about a six to eight hour teaching, so we're going to try to finish it in three, okay? okay <laughs> just, just kidding. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. We want people to come back. I know. That's what, that's what Sophia said. Amen. So, today, what we're going to do is kind of give you a little bit of a sampler platter. And we're going to to get you stirred up in this direction. Get your hearts thinking about this. You can pray about it. Study it for yourself. I want to get you filled up and stirred up. And we want to hear what the Lord says to you about it. Because, you know, we don't know everything about this. Amen. But we want to get the wheels turning. So um, New Year's Eve, again, was a very special service for our church. We spent about three hours. And I thought when they told us we're going to have a three-hour service on uh, New Year's Eve, I thought, I won't last 30 minutes. But it went by just like that. We had so much wonderful things happening. And one of the things the Lord said to us that night was that, that 2021 would be a year of accelerated and advanced growth and development. Amen. Our church is a growth atmosphere.
1: Yes.
0: And the reason it is is because our pastors are growing. Brad and Selena are growing. Kevin's growing. Mark and Jennifer are growing. Melissa and I are growing. When things are growing in you, things around you grow. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I call our church a Holy Ghost greenhouse.
1: Amen.
0: People are just growing and developing by leaps and bounds. And uh, we have to ask ourselves sometimes, if things around us are not growing, we have to look in the mirror sometimes and ask ourselves, are we growing? Because when you're growing, things around you grow. Yes. There's a verse in Proverbs that Brad and I have had good oh. discussions about. Actually, at Tony's restaurant last time. <laughs> uh, uh, Proverbs 4.23 says this, that um, you want to keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. That word issues from the Hebrew is boundaries. Yes. We set our own boundaries Very good. out of what flows out of us. You know, sometimes we think people are holding us back. But no, what flows out of us is what's setting the boundaries of our life. And if we grow, our boundaries grow. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. Amen. Yes, now, this is a present truth. Uh, Peter says this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. This is a verse the Lord's really put on my heart, lady. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to always put you in remembrance of these things, though you know them. Now, you wonder sometimes why your pastors say the same things over and over again. It's because Peter said this more than once. And uh, Paul said it to Timothy, i put you in remembrance of some things. You know, we always need to remind ourselves of who we are in Him, yes. how good He is to us. That's why we sing songs like, Good, Good Father. We need to hear it. Yes. We need to hear how good He is. Yes. But he says this, even though you know these things, and be established in present truth. Now, the Bible's a big book, okay? So you need present truth. Not new truth, but what is the Lord emphasizing to us right now? I believe for right now for life of faith, what He's put on my heart is emphasizing this subject of us growing and maturing and developing. Present truth. And we hold on to it. And we not only just study it, we talk it. Amen. Are you stuck in life? You know, stuck stinks. Been there before. Stuck stinks. But what I did find out is, in my life, where I was stuck, I learned that I needed to outgrow where I was. And if I outgrew where I was, promotion came easily. That's right. I saw... Things I'm stepping into today over 35 years ago. Amen. But I wasn't ready for it. I had to grow. Yeah. I had to develop. I had to mature. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord. Yeah. That's awesome. So I believe today you guys are going to receive some impartations from the Holy Spirit. Some establishing in the faith. That's a lot of what mine and Melissa's ministry is about. Is impartations. Yes. And things being developed. You know there's seed on the inside of you mm-hmm. that's been planted there since you were a child.
1: Amen. Yeah.
0: There are things planted in you. And all it takes is a little bit of water. You know, you ever now, you guys ever heard of the Atacama Desert in Chile? They, they probably, the kids probably have. I, I bet Selah has. She's probably. <laughs> has. She she could come up and tell this story for me. I bet. There's a there's a, a, a desert in Chile. It's the driest place on earth. Uh, meat won't spoil there. Metal will not corrode there. It's so dry. The average rainfall there is about a half an inch a year. It's desolate. It's compared. Uh, the the Guinness Book of World Records calls it the driest place on earth. Is compared to the surface of Mars. However, every few years they'll get some rain. So in about 2014 they got five inches of rain in one month. Their average rainfall is about a half an inch a year. Now you can spit more than that. okay? <laughs> half an inch a year. But in one month they got five inches of rain. And You know what happened? Thousands of plants began to grow in that desert. You know why that was? The seeds were already there. Right. Yeah. All it took was some water. The seeds are in you. Yes. All it's going to take is some water. Yes. That's why we need these atmospheres of people, yes. praise the Lord, where you're being poured into you. Yes. Watering seeds that are on inside of you so it will grow. Amen. Yes. Praise the Lord. Now remember, as we begin to talk about spiritual maturity, I'll be the first one to tell you, I don't know everything about it. And that may be the first indication for all of us is to realize we don't know everything. Oh, Amen. I, well, you know, the more I, I grow, the more I, I realize I don't know now, Paul said this to Timothy. If you look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, Paul is talking about growth. Timothy was a young pastor in the city of Ephesus. I'm sure y'all are familiar with that name, Ephesus. What well, a lot of people don't know, the city of Ephesus had almost as many people as the city of Birmingham. Over 200,000 people. It's a very big place. So you can imagine, you know, being a pastor there, especially a young pastor. That's why he told him, don't let anybody despise your youth. He told him things like, don't be ashamed of the gospel of me. Well, why would he tell him that unless he was tempted to? Praise the Lord. So he tells him this. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, he says, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that's in thee, which was given thee by prophecy in the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Now that word neglect is an interesting word. You can neglect things in a lot of ways. If you went up and looked up all the definitions of neglect, you can, you can just say, I'm turning my back on that, not, not giving any attention, and forget about it and let it die. That's neglecting. But also, if you don't grow something... If you don't put any effort into something, that's also neglecting. If we refuse to grow, it's neglecting. You know, there's a gift on the inside of each and every one of you. From the youngest to the oldest. I love seeing the little baby here. I've got a granddaughter about her age. There's a gift and a calling on that child. Yes. And seeds are being planted in her even today. And we need to grow from, from that point. And one day she'll walk into wonderful things. Amen. Yes. But Paul said in the next verse, verse 15, Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Now here's the truth, guys, that we don't like to understand and, and know a lot of times. Is that everybody can see when you're growing. Very good. Wow. Very
1: well said.
0: And on the flip side, everybody can see when you're not.
1: Very well
0: said. We don't like that part. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now as we talk about maturity, I'll just move on from that. Just let that sit there. I think more than using the word mature, I know it. Is that a mic drop moment there? I'm sorry. <laughs> I think more than using the word mature, I don't like the word mature from the standpoint that it indicates a landing place or a destination, that you're mature and now you're there. I like the word maturing. That's kind of the word we use in our Sunday morning Bible class is the word maturing. It's a process. You know we're all in process. Yes. We're all at different levels of development and growth. And maturing means there's a continual development, a continual growth, a continual flourishing. You know, God's people should always be advancing, always be thriving and flourishing. And give the impression of increase in everything that we do. The Lord is about increase. He's an abundant God. Yes. The world wants you to think scarcity. Yes. There's always a scarcity mindset the world, the world wants to put on us. Uh, now Melissa and I, we've written goals for the past 40 plus years. I, I've got notebooks full of goals and visions I've written. But what I've learned, guys, is that more than just having the goal there, there's the goal behind the goal. Very good. And it's this. To become the person that can bring that forth. Jesus said this, He said, When seed is sown into good ground, it brings forth fruit. It brings forth. There are times in your life, we're all going to experience this, where if you see yourself doing something, you're going to have to grow to become the person that can bring that forth. Thirty-five years ago, I could not bring forth what I'm bringing forth today. I saw it, but I couldn't bring it forth. But here, here's another thing when it comes to the kingdom of God. Jesus said it this way, that the kingdom of God operates on this principle, the seed principle. The kingdom moves at the speed of seed. Very good. Now, we don't like that. Our flesh does not like the speed of seed. Our flesh <laughs> likes microwave. Yes. Fast food. You know, I had to go into a Burger not too long ago, and I'm thinking, I get something quick, I waited 30 minutes. And I'm thinking, what is wrong with these people? You know, Don't they know that I'm hungry? We don't like the crock pot. We want microwave. We want quick things. But things that grow in development, it takes the speed of seed. Praise the Lord. And you bring it forth. I was not always the super polished speaker that I am today. Okay? <laughs> Melissa will tell you that. But Jesus said that it's going to bring forth. Now in the King James Bible, you don't see the word mature. You see the word perfect. Perfect, again, gives you the wrong connotation. That you get to a place where you're mistake free. That is something we will never achieve in this life. Amen. But perfect just means mature, adulthood, full grownness. Amen. So what is maturity? As we talk about this... I think that it may surprise us what the Lord considers to be mature and what we think mature is, you know. Uh, Prophesying and giving words and standing up here in front of the crowd and speaking is not necessarily an indication of maturity. However, I will say this, that people who are mature and grow do prophesy and do give words, but there's a a depth to it. The more you grow, the deeper it'll be. Praise the Lord. Always quoting scriptures, you know, always having a word for somebody. And walking around with your head in the clouds, you know. Sometimes we think of that, like Mr. Miyagi. Y'all know who Mr. Miyagi yes. is? Okay? Oh, he's, al- he's always on. He's always got something deep and profound to say. Or this will date some of you. Anybody ever remember the show Kung Fu? Oh, yeah. Okay? So this goes way, way back for you younger guys It's going, who in the world? But he, he, was, he was a shallowing monk who always was just perfect. He always had something deep to say. He always looked very sad, acted very spiritual. Okay? We, sometimes we get the idea that, that glamorization of maturity, that's what that is.
1: Yeah.
0: Or maybe that you have to speak like Alexander Scorby, my son, attend to my words,
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: incline to my sayings.
1: That's right.
0: And you have to speak in this weird voice. But okay. spiritual people are really some of the most natural acting people that you'll ever meet. Yeah. Because they're not trying to impress anybody. Yeah. They're not t- trying to prove anything. You know, just the, the idea of prophesying and stuff doesn't indicate you're mature. You know, Paul went to Ephesus and he found 12 believers that had never even heard of the Holy Ghost. The next thing you know, they're speaking with tongues and prophesying. Well, you know they weren't mature. That's Amen. Right. Very good. Praise That's the good. Lord. Very good. But, you know, I heard a, a minister say this one time, that all the Lord really wants you to do is believe the Bible, be full of the Holy Ghost, and just be normal. Yes. Just be normal. Yes. We don't have anything to prove. You know, uh, there, anybody like John Wayne movies? Some of the younger people saying, who? Who's <laughs> John Wayne? But there's a, there's a, a movie he, he has called Real Bravo. It's one of my favorites. And there's a gunslinger in that movie named Colorado, played by Ricky Nelson, if anybody remember who he was. And then Dean Martin played the deputy sheriff who was kind of down on his luck. And so one time Dean Martin asked John Wayne about this Colorado guy who everybody thought was a humdinger with a gun. He said, is he any good? He said, I'll tell you this. He said, he's so good, he doesn't think he has to prove it.
1: Yeah.
0: That's the way we should be as a spiritual person. Yeah. Nothing to prove. We know who we are in Christ. And we just love Him and know He loves us. And we're not trying to impress anybody. Praise the Lord. Now, if you look at Philippians chapter 3, this is Paul's statement of what maturity looks like and how to think about maturity. What our attitude should be about it. Philippians chapter 3. If you read the whole chapter, we don't have time to do that today, but Paul begins to quote his pedigree and talk about how awesome he was. You know, doctor of the law, Pharisee, I'm the greatest of the great. You know, when it came to the law, I'm spotless, I'm perfect. But he said this about himself. He said, I count that as refuse, as dung, as nothing. That means nothing to me. And he comes into verse 9 and says, I want to be found in Him not having mine own righteousness which is of the law. He did everything of the law as righteousness. But that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. Isn't that wonderful? to know Him and the power of His resurrection. That's all we need to know, right? right. And the fellowship of His sufferings. And verse 11 says, If if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect or, we said, mature, but I follow after that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Verse 13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And he ends up in verse 15, Let us therefore, as many as be perfect or mature again, be thus minded. And if anything be otherwise minded, God will reveal it to you. Now, this is the mindset that people are growing and maturing have. He says this, The great Apostle Paul who said by his own testimony he received the revelation of the gospel of grace from Jesus Himself. No man taught it to him. If you read Galatians 1, he says that revelation came directly from Jesus. He wrote most of the New Testament. He said this one thing I do, forgetting. And I'll say this to you today, folks. If you're going to grow up into Christ, you're going to have to get real good at forgetting. Get very good at forgetting. Because the enemy always wants to remind you of what you did, how you failed, good or bad. You know, Paul. Paul was not talking about all the bad things he did. He did some bad stuff. One time he said this. He said, "God counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry who was injurious and a blasphemer." Well, that's putting it mild. He had people killed, people just like you and me that loved Jesus had them killed. And he said, "I was I was a bad guy." Yeah, that was my bad. <laughs>
1: my bad. But he said, "Yeah."
0: But he said this. One thing I do, I forget yeah. the good and the bad. Because you can get stuck in good too. Yes. Melissa and I were stuck in a place not too many many years ago where everything was good. Things were good. We weren't having any problems at home, but we knew the Lord had more for us and we couldn't see the way forward. But we were stuck in good. You can get stuck in good and sacrifice great. Cool. Now some other uh, translation of this, that if he says this, not only one thing I do, he said... I don't count myself as of apprehended. So to grow, you need to be good, real good at forgetting and also have the spirit of a beginner and a learner. Always have the spirit of a beginner. Amen. In some other translations, he says this, Amplified Classic, Let those of us who are spiritually mature and full grown have this mind. What mind? That I hadn't already attained. Yes. I'm always reaching forward. Those of us who are spiritually mature should think this way. The complete Jewish says... As many as are mature, let us keep paying attention to this. This is something that you'll have to pay attention to all the time. Keep paying attention to forgetting and pressing forward and understanding we don't know it all. Isn't it wonderful to know you don't know it all? Wouldn't it be terrible if this was it? This is all there was. I've reached the pinnacle. I'm not going any further. You know, 10 years ago, I thought I had reached the pinnacle of my spiritual maturity. We were in a good church. We were learning. We were growing. I look back today and I thought, I'm surprised I could find the floor in the morning. (laughs) I didn't know a thing. Praise God. He says this in the Good News Translation, all of us who are spiritually mature should have this attitude. So this is kind of a gauge or a thermostat as you grow and as you learn. Keep in mind, get real good at forgetting. Every single day you're going to have the opportunity, things come up in your life you really need to forget about so you can move forward. Praise the Lord. You know, failure is a part of growth. We don't like to think about that because we we do not want to make a mistake. I work with the worship team. I've been a a keyboardist in the worship team for about the past 38 years. And I get the privilege of pouring into young people like Sophia uh, at our church at Irondale. And uh, most of them weren't even born when I started. It's just amazing. Younger than my children. But what I tell them all the time is, guys, I would love it if we took it far enough that we made a mistake. Because that shows we've made some progress. We're growing. You know what? Next time you do it better. But Here's the thing about failure. Young people hear what I'm saying. Sometimes you fail. Sometimes you learn. Failure and mistakes are a part of the process. But here's the thing. If you're faced with the same situation next time, with the same level of awareness that you have now, would you make the same mistake? And if the answer is no, you've learned. And you've grown. And you have to forget and move forward. Because you're going to make mistakes. You're going to fail. But it shows you're growing. I've done some of the stupidest things that I would be ashamed to tell you about. But thank God, it's made me who I am today. Amen. Amen. That's part of maturity. Now, Paul uses terms like intentionality, I've attained, I'm pressing after, I'm following after, apprehending, I'm reaching. These are terms of intentionality. Intentionality is the first law of growth. Weeds grow by themselves. Okay? Okay? Any of you that ever took care of a yard or a garden? Weeds are going to grow by themselves. All right, But if you're, going to be, if you're going to bear fruit and do what Jesus said is bring forth, you're going to have to be intentional about it. Amen. And I'm finding out, like I said, the more that I grow, the more I realize I don't know. And that's a good thing. That's a wonderful place to be. Amen. Now, um, I've always been very, very intentional about my growth. Melissa and I just moved to a new house about four months ago, and we were shocked at how many books we own. We're like, where did these books come from? And she said, you bought them all. (laughs) I mean, we got boxes and boxes of books that date back 35 and 40 years. And for the vast majority of them, I've read most of them. But as I stood there looking at that, trying to figure out what am I going to do with them? Mm -hmm. It's like the Lord whispered in my heart, look at all the seeds you've sown in your heart over the years. All that's down on the inside of you. And I'm finding out, guys, in this growth process, that, as i said i look back 10 years ago and think i didn't know anything but if what satisfied me five years ago 10 years ago 15 years ago if that's still satisfying me today i have to ask myself am i really growing i get around people all the time that i've known for years and it won't be five minutes they'll be talking about the good old days when we were back there with brother so-and-so and if we could just get back there i don't ever want to go back there
1: Amen.
0: Amen. i want to move forward into growth changing Hallelujah. People that are, you know, people that are maturing or growing still get excited about the basic things that we hear about the Word and righteousness. Yes. Now, I'm going to say a name that some of you will say, he's the greatest of all time. And some of you will say, boo, I don't like this guy. Okay. But Tom Brady just won the Super Bowl a couple, three months ago. I did watch the Super Bowl. and I had a good time watching it. But what amazed me is a man 43 years old has seven Super Bowl rings. But those kind of guys, he is a master of the fundamentals. He works on it every single day. Professional athletes that we admire, they're masters of fundamentals. That's what they're good at. And these, what I'm talking about today are some things we can begin to master as fundamentals. Now, as you're growing, be gentle on yourself, guys, because you've got to live with you, okay? You've got to live with yourself. Now, I used to be one of these kind of guys that would say all the time, I'm harder on myself than anybody else. Anybody ever said that before? Anybody said it this morning, so... I used to say that I wore it like a badge of honor. That I'm just I'm hard on myself. And I would drive myself and my wife crazy with it. Because I wanted to be perfect. I wanted to be good. Because I never felt like I was good enough. And one day as I was reading Matthew eleven twenty-eight, where Jesus said, My yoke is easy and my burden is light. He said to me, Why are you that way? I'm not hard on you. Oh, you're talking about changing your thinking. He said, If I bring anything to your light, it's, it's light and it's easy. If anything heavy and hard, you put it there. Amen. As I heard a lady say one time not too long ago, uh, she said this, they were quoting the Scripture in Proverbs, that says, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow with it. If there's sorrow with it, it's something you add. It. The blessing of the Lord brings joy into our life. So, make some mistakes and be gentle on yourself. So the first indicator is, Paul said this thing, get good at forgetting and press forward into growth. Don't perform mental post-mortems, if you know what that means where everything you think, every mistake you've made, every decision you've made, you've got to autopsy it all the time. Learn to say, so what? And move forward. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, let's look at Hebrews chapter 5. I know, I've done it before. (laughs) (laughs) Hebrews chapter 5. This is another indicator of growth, guys. Brad alluded to it this morning during communion. I love the fact you guys do communion every day. You know, I didn't grow up taking communion... And that, that revelation means so much to me and Melissa. We take it at home all the time. And it's just helped us so much. You, Hebrews chapter 5 verse 13 says this, For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. So Paul clearly tells us that spiritual babies are unskillful in the word of righteousness. Very good. But strong meat belongs to them that are full age or mature, even to those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, we don't have time to break all this apart, but he says, strong meat." Well, if you can be unskillful at something, he says, babes are unskillful at the word of righteousness. Well, if you can be unskillful, then you can be skillful. Very good. Just like Tom Brady, you know, you can be unskillful at throwing a football or you can be skillful at, at it. Yeah. Now the Lord's been emphasized, another thing he emphasized to us New Year's Eve was leaning to righteousness more than ever. Because the enemy's coming against our soul more than ever. This isolation that we don't have time to get into, but it's demonic. It pulls people's souls down. My, my father hasn't been out of the house. He's 87 years old. He hasn't been out of the house more than once in a year. He's isolated. Stay six feet apart. Don't get around anybody. Don't hug. Don't touch. Don't. It, it's, it's designed to tear apart your soulish area. Yes. So we want to lean into righteousness more than ever. Now, um, Brad mentioned this about 100% right with God. Uh, y'all remember Brother Shane Holesgrove when he came to the ballpark that night? Well, I don't know if y'all remember this, but he's a minister from South Africa that we dearly love, him and his family. But he was talking about righteousness, and we were over there. I think, is that Mount All the Ballpark we were at? Okay, so uh, he asked us this question. He said, how many of you right now, on a scale of one to hundred, what percentage do you believe you're right with God? Now, i got to admit to you that after almost 40 years of hearing the word about righteousness and who I am in Christ, that question threw me a little bit for a loop. Because I began to look at myself and think, okay, wait a minute, I began to do some math, some (laughs) calculations. Had I read my Bible that day? Had I prayed that day? Had I even thought about Jesus that day? And I came up with a figure of about 65 to 67% that I'm right with God right now. Well, He let us stew on that for a moment. That's based on how I was looking at me, okay? He let us stew on that for a minute and He said, if your answer was anything but 100%, it's sin consciousness and you're focusing on the wrong thing. Oh, you're talking about setting you free. Yes. We go around the house all the time going, thank God I'm 100% right with Him all the time. Yes. Now, do I make mistakes in my flesh? We said this before. You're not going to be perfect in the flesh. But positionally, yes. you're right yes. with Him.
1: That's exactly
0: right. Amen. 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 Skillful at the word of righteousness. Guys, we've got to get very skillful at thinking this way. And if you make a mistake, master the art of forgetting. And remind yourself that you're 100% right with Him all the time. If there's something you need to get right with Him, then get it right with Him. But praise God, He's not mad at you.
1: Amen.
0: You know, Brother E.W. Kenyon said this that he said that the perception that religion gives us is that God is an austere, horrible, mean being that's just looking for you to make a mistake. But no, He's a Father who loves us dearly. Believers, Christians who are not skillful at the word of righteousness are going to be defeated at every turn. Because the enemy quickly reminds them of who they're not. But we have to remind them of who we are. We should be so convinced of who we are in Christ and of righteousness that any one of us at any moment could come up here and take this microphone and testify about righteousness without any notes, without any scriptures, and just talk about the righteousness of God. That's getting skillful and beginning to master it. Mm -hmm. You know how you get good at that? You practice it. He says here we have our senses uh, discerning good and evil. Exercise, reason of use. He uses all these terms. Now, who loves to exercise? <laughs> Most people do not. <laughs> Selena's the only person I know that loves it. <laughs> I get up every morning pretty much and I'll exercise in the mornings, but when I wake up, I never want to. Ever want to. But exercise, reason of use. Amen. Amen. Words of righteousness getting you. Finding Scriptures. Go to go into Bible Gateway. Blue Letter Bible. There's, there's no end of resources online right. where you can look up verses on righteousness yeah. and put it in your heart. Now, this is what I've learned to do, guys. When I see the word righteous or righteousness in the Word, I'll stop and say, that's me. That's, right. that's me. Yeah. I do it all the time. We've well, we were reading. we been reading Proverbs a lot at the Irondale campus on Wednesday nights, and I'll go through the Proverbs and I'll see verses like, uh, the righteous are delivered. That's me. Yeah, that's that's right. so good. In the house of the righteous is much treasure. That's talking about me. Anywhere you see that. And you get it on the inside of you. You don't just talk about it at church. You know, we can talk about righteousness all day on Sunday morning. But on Tuesday afternoon, when as we say down here in the, in the south, the wheels are running off. Are you beginning to talk about how righteous you are before Him? Reason of use, habit, practice. You know, you need spi- he- healthy spiritual habits. We had this discussion at your house the other night, Brad. Is it so much now of the church is about not being under law or legalism because we're getting revelation of the, of the grace of God like we never had before. But there's, a, there's a difference between legalism and healthy spiritual habits. Yes. Very good. We need to read our Bibles. We need to feed on these things. Now if you don't, is God going to love you? Of course He is. Are you still 100% righteous whether you read the Word or not? But it affects your heart.
1: Yes.
0: It affects how you think about Him and how you think about yourself. Your senses discern awareness. This is about awareness. This is not about judging yourself or getting under condemnation. This is about new levels of awareness that you're thinking at a higher place than you've ever thought before. So that higher place yes. is, I forget it and I'm yes. moving forward. Yeah. Get skillful at the word of righteousness. Praise the Lord. And a lot of people might say, oh, I, I know about righteousness. But you know, f- folks, if something is old to you, it may not be real to you. Very good. You know, because you can mentally agree to something and when the pressure comes on, you let go of it. That's why the Word tells us to hold fast our confession because something is going to try to come take it away from you.
1: That's right.
0: Now, this also says you learn to discern both good and evil. Discern, recognize, be aware of it. Good and evil, when, when I was reading this, the Lord just kind of impressed me. He's not talking about the ultimate struggle in the universe between good and evil. You know, between Batman and the Joker. You know, it's <laughs> not, not between good and evil in that sense. There, there are over 592 references to the word evil in the Bible. Now, I don't recommend you go read them all because it won't edify you. But, what we think of evil, God calls this. When the ten spies went into Kadesh Barnea and came back and said, "There's giants in the land; we can't overcome them," God called that a doubt, a, a report of doubt and unbelief. He called it evil.
1: That's
0: right. Doubt and unbelief in the, in the sight of God is evil. He calls pride evil. Yeah. He calls the love of money the root of all evil. I would submit to you that anything that comes against the righteousness of God in your life, you should discern that and say, That is evil.
1: That's very good.
0: Anything that, that goes serious. against the new covenant of grace and the goodness of God in your life, you should look at that and say, No, that's evil. That's right. Paul said, anybody that preaches a gospel that's different than mine is cursed. Yes. It's going to come at you every single day to pull at you, trying to get you off of it. Anything that's not of love. Praise the Lord. Through practice, we can grow and begin to recognize these things, guys, and and learn to master this word of righteousness. Now, in Hebrews chapter 6, he goes on. He doesn't lose his thought because he says, therefore. You know, when you see the word therefore, there's something before that. meant something. So he talked about be skillful at righteousness, grow, discern good and evil. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on into perfection. There's that word perfection again, or maturity. We're going on to maturity not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. As I read that verse, two words jumped out at me and as we say down here in the South, just kind of hit me in the face with a wet dish rag. Anybody ever heard that term before? Just kind of slapped me. The words laying again.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Laying again. And the way that it kind of came up my heart was like, again? Really? Again with this? Are we doing this again? And I began to think about People that we deal with from a pastoral standpoint that just keep going over the same ground.
1: Yeah.
0: Now let me read you a couple different translations that may bring a, more, a little more light to that. The Amplified says, Let us get past the elementary stage. The Amplified Classic says, Advancing steadily. You know where I should always be advancing steadily. Moving forward. Toward the completeness and perfection that belong to spiritual maturity by moving on from the basics. The Easy to Read says this, we should not have to keep going back to where we started. You know, so many times and, and folks want to go back to where they started. Back to square one. This is where this thought of righteousness is. What righteousness is, if you make a mistake, you feel like you got to start all over again. got to go back to where I started. Jesus, I'm just a broken man. You've broken me. I'm starting all over. The Living Bible says, Let us stop going over the same old ground again and again. You ever met people where you just have to keep going over? They're, I call it looping. They're just looping the same stuff all the time. Now, this is the message translation. That's my favorite. So come on now. Let us leave the preschool finger painting exercises.
1: <laughs>
0: now, does that give you a word picture?
1: Yes.
0: Finger painting. He's describing here, folks, that people that don't want to grow. Yeah. They just keep laying again, again with this. Yeah. They won't move forward because they're stuck on something. And they're looping it. Mm-hmm. Controversial things. Argumentative things. Yeah. Things that cause drama. Yeah. You know, there's some things that need to just be settled in your heart as a non-negotiable. So you move forward. Just believe the Word. You know, there's no faith in that. All these, all these things. Now, immature people going back to things about, what about Job? <laughs> you know, believers should not base their, their New Covenant experience and their relationship with Jesus on a man who had no covenant with God that even predated Moses. But people want to base their experience with God on Job. Okay. What about Paul's thorn in the flesh? My wife loves to say this one. Where did Cain get his wife? I don't know. <laughs> I don't care. What, what has that got to do with me today? Yeah. But people get stuck on these things. Yeah. What about the animals on Noah's Ark? How'd they get there? I don't know. Were there dy- you know. Melissa and I went to the Ark experience in the Creation Museum a couple years ago. Had a great time, but we were shocked at all the dinosaur stuff. Uh-huh. That, that Noah probably had... Dinosaurs on the ark. And we're like, what? Of course, we, you know, and after we thought about it for a minute, we're like, who cares if there was a Velociraptor on the ark? I'm sure no one knew how to deal deal with him. If he had a T-Rex up there, fine. But people worry about these things. And they get stuck on it. Controversial things. Was Jesus really born on December 25th? I don't care. I'm still going to celebrate the reason for the season. That has nothing to do with me today and whether or not I'm righteous before Him and I'm a child of God. But folks, people get on these things. Do I tithe on the net of the gross or at all? Do I give it all? I, we deal with so many people that are confused about giving. Now, you, talk, you had a great message about giving this morning, Brad, about how much of a worship it is. But people, am I giving to get? I love what Brother Andrew Womack says. He said, I give to get, so i got more to give. That's a humble attitude. Yeah. But see, there's no faith in it. What's my motivation? Am I, am I giving to get? Am I trying to manipulate something? There's no faith in that. Mature people, people that are maturing are generous and they're givers. Right. You know, Jesus said this in red letters. He said in Luke twelve thirty four, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Yeah. Now, we know red letters trump everything, right? Yeah. If the Master said it, we need to pay attention to it. He said basically, no treasure, no heart. Yeah. Very good. Because giving is worship and it's part of your heart. Amen. Regardless of what else you're doing, no treasure, no heart. And then as I was reading this verse this week, guys, two words stuck out to me again. Jesus said, "Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also." And this is what the Holy Spirit just impressed me, was that if people will honor God in worship with their giving, it draws their heart in. There will your heart be. You put your, you put your finances in the kingdom of God, because you love him and you honor Him, there will your heart be drawn to. It'll lock you in so tight. I got to give you a. Now, Brad promised me gas money if I said that today, so. But here's the thing I don't get a thing in the world out of anybody giving, okay? <laughs> but I can tell you this much that, that folks that are stingy with the things of God, they just never grow like they should. It's because it's a heart issue. Everything is connected to heart. Um, here, let me read you a couple of other verses, translations. The message translation says the place where your treasure is is the place you'll most want to be. And you'll end up being it keeps you in the kingdom of god when you deposit your treasure that's where you fix your thoughts and your heart will long to be there also heart and treasure are connected now again this was god's idea and he's the one that promised the reason i bring this up to you today guys is because Melissa and i were set free at least especially me was set free a few years ago about this I, i had a particularly good year in my business and the Lord began to deal with me to do something financially I just did not want to do. I don't know if any of you have ever been there before. You know, just kept, it kept coming up and like, just, just stay over there. I don't want to do that. And I was afraid to tell my wife about it because for the first time in our life, we had you know, some money in the bank. We we're doing well no pressure. And I didn't want to tell her because I thought she might get upset, upset at me. But what the Lord began to talk to me about was, if you'll obey me in this, it'll open doors for you you cannot open for yourself. And he said, the reason that you're afraid is because you're thinking like you're poor, even though you have some money in the bank. And I didn't realize that I was thinking poor. It was a spirit of poverty. You know, poverty is a spirit. Yeah. Yes. Poverty doesn't mean you, you live under a bridge and you're homeless. Poverty means that you think scarce. Yes. You think that I will never have enough. The enemy always wants you to think you're not enough and you don't have enough. Very
1: good.
0: He always wants you to think that way. Now, this was God's idea. All of this was always God's idea. We have to just believe Him and accept His Word and acknowledge it. Proverbs eleven twenty four says this, There is that scattereth and yet increaseth, and there is that withholdeth more than is meet, but it tendeth to poverty or scarcity. Now, you do withhold some. He said there's, there's those that withhold more than they should. You should withhold some. You ought to save. You know, I think sometimes when you get on the subject of finances and giving, that people like, shut up preacher, we don't want to talk about that because they think that Jesus is looking at them like the rich young ruler and saying, you sell everything you have and give it away and come be poor and follow me. But nobody said anything like that. He says, there's he that scattereth, the liberal soul shall be made fat and he that watereth shall be watered himself. I love the message translation, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. Larger and larger. I can tell you guys that Melissa and I, we did what the Lord told us to do And over the past several years, he's brought us in the best shape of our life. We learn; we love to give, because we learn this much that it's worship. And the world, our world, got larger and larger. Those who uh, help others—excuse me—those who bless others are abundantly blessed. And this is one for your refrigerator right here. Anybody have refrigerator scriptures? (laughs) This is the Passion Translation. Generosity brings prosperity, but withholding from charity brings poverty. Those who lift to bless others will have blessings heaped upon them. And the one who pours out his life to pour out blessings will be saturated with favor. That's the heart of the generous one. That's the heart of the giver is I'm pouring out my life to bring blessings upon others. And, he, and blessings are heaped upon me. Now what's this got to do with spirit, developing spiritual maturity? Everything. Because you're holding back part of your heart. Praise the Lord. Amen. And this is why many have struggled. I said, poverty doesn't mean you can't feed your family. Poverty means scarcity. And many have struggled because of this, because they hold that part of their heart. Praise the Lord. Now, uh, we talked about righteousness becoming skillful in righteousness. We talked about not laying again the foundation. You know, people do the same thing uh, with spiritual gifts, tongues, things like that. I don't understand. You don't have to understand everything. The Lord wants us to believe it. Brad talked this morning about pray with the Spirit, pray with the understanding. Just believe it and act on it. You don't have to understand. I don't ever understand everything about it. Okay? I've walked, I was raised in a Pentecostal setting, got filled with the Spirit when I was 12 years old. 48 years ago. I still don't understand near everything about it. We're learning more every day. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah. So hear what I'm saying and not what I'm not saying. Asking questions is Wonderful. Pastor Mark and Pastor Brad do a wonderful job of answering questions. I want to grow up to be like them one day (laughs) and answer questions really good. But it's when people say, I want this question answered and I'm not going to move forward until I get my answer. And really the indication they're giving you is until I get the answer the way I want it to be done. I'm not going to move forward. That's what I'm talking about. We should always want to ask questions. But there's just no faith in that heart that says, I'm not going to go forward until I get my question answered. So not laying the same foundation, moving forward. Amen. Now I'm going to mention one more thing here. We need to to follow good leadership in these things. We've got strong leadership at Life of Faith. And people that are maturing, people that are growing, are open to be corrected in these areas. And what's even more important is, is that people that are maturing and growing realize the need for correction. Now, nobody, who likes to be corrected? Anybody? No. (laughs) But it's not supposed to be done with harshness. You know, James says this, that the wisdom from above is easy to be entreated. It's peaceable. You know, anytime the Holy Spirit's correcting me like that about money, it was so gentle. Yes. He said, son, the reason that you don't want to do that is because you're thinking poor. Oh, yeah. immediately I saw the light. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, when correction doesn't have to be a harsh thing. You're, you're constantly making corrections when you drive your car. Yeah. You're making just gentle corrections all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way the Lord nudges you. Now let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now there's a lot in here that we don't have time to break apart. Just want to touch on a couple things. He says in verse 10, Brethren, I beseech you by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. Now wouldn't church be wonderful if that's the way it was all the time. <laughs> he's, he's describing a mature church. Is we're all speaking the same things. You know, all these things that are coming forth. We talked about present truth. All these things that are coming forth that the Lord is emphasizing, we need to be talking yes. them all the time to each other. Nothing would thrill me any more than if we came in church every every week and people talking about overcoming giants and we're the righteousness of God in Christ. Because you know when people are full of things, you don't have to coax it out of them;
1: That's right. it
0: comes out. That's right. Those of us that are old enough to remember way way years ago that when you pumped gas, we didn't have the automatic shut off. Remember that? Yeah. And you go over there and you ring that thing up and you put the thing in there. Well, the way you knew the tank was full, it started popping out. Yeah. Well, the way you know your tank is full, it's coming out of you. That's
1: right. Very
0: good. Amen. Very good. And he says this in verse 12, Now I pray that every one of you saith... Well, I'm sorry, verse 11. It's been declared to me uh, of you, brethren, of them that are in the house of Chloe, that there is contentions among you, that I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, and I'm of Christ. Is Christ divided? So he's talking about people focusing on either good things about ministers or bad things about ministers. You know, some people just won't listen to certain ministers because they don't like the way they look or what they stand for or something they heard about them. You know, most of the time those things are lies anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But the bottom line is, is I, I don't want to listen to him. I want to listen to Brother So-and-So. I, I, there's a, a well-known minister, if I mentioned his name, most people in the room would know who he is, was listening to another well-known minister preach. And this minister preaching made a statement that kind of cut across the grain of the Word of Faith and Grace talk. And everybody in the room shut him off. He said, I didn't shut him off because I knew the gift in the man. I respected the fact that he was a minister of God. He said, I got a question answered from me that I've been asking the Lord for two years.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Paul said, that's right. now another thing here, guys, he says, I'm of Paul, I'm Apollos. I'm of Cephas, and some say I'm of Christ. You know, in this day of post-scandal evangelism where people have been hurt, you know, sometimes they call it church hurt these days. That's a very popular term now. so and so's church hurt. People take the attitude I just need me and Jesus and my Bible at home. Mm-hmm. I don't need anybody else. See, that's not a scriptural yes. standpoint. We all need people to speak into our lives. We need ministers to speak into our lives. We need each other. Yeah. We need faith buddies.
1: Yes, yes, we do. I love that.
0: So Paul is correcting them for focusing on the wrong thing. He says, I, in verse chapter 3, verse 1, he said, I could not speak unto you as in the spiritual, but as in the carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Now, who, who are babes in Christ, we said before? People unskillful at the word of righteousness. See, this this ties into righteousness. I fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you are yet carnal. In verse 3. He keeps using the word carnal over this idea of ministers. Okay? There's strife and divisions among you. Are you not carnal? And he keeps mentioning this. But he says this here, guys. In verse 5. Who is Paul? Who is Apollos? Who is... Brad, who is Kevin? Who, who is Mark? Who is Al? Who are they? But ministers by whom you believed.
1: Amen. Yeah. That's
0: right. Even as the Lord gave to every man, I've planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So neither is he that planted, neither is he that watered, but God who gave the increase. So I'm nothing but a zero with a ring knocked off of it, without Christ. All right yeah. These ministers that might have spoken into something into your life, they're nothing without Christ. They're just ministers that God used to plant or to water in your life. Yes. Harvest the good out of that. Yes. Good. Very
1: good.
0: I can tell you this, guys, that the person in my life, the minister in my life, who blessed me the most, fed me the most, helped me grow the most, developed me the most, put the most into me, hurt me the most, disillusioned me the most, and disappointed me the most. And had Melissa and I had not had a relationship with God for ourselves, we would have shipwrecked our faith. Yes. Very good. However, I'm thankful for that heritage because I learned to harvest the good. It must have been God at some time because what they said helped me and developed me. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Harvest the good and move mm-hmm. forward. Praise the Lord. Amen. Who are they ministers? Who are they but ministers? But many people will use that as an excuse to quit on Jesus. Yes. There's a brother that uh, some of you know, a brother named Rob Rufus, that came and did a grace conference several years at our church. He's from Hong Kong. Wonderful mm-hmm. brother. But he said this about this situation. When he was a young minister before he became a pastor, he said he was ushering at a church and serving like all of us do. You know, just doing our best, coming to church on Sunday morning, greeting people and everything. But evidently something happened that somebody thought he did something wrong and the head guy fussed at him a little bit. Well, like most of us do, most of us men, we don't like to be fussed at, you know. <laughs> so he kind of bowed up and said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll just quit. And he said, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit on the, inside of me said this. He said, son... Don't punish me because he acted unwisely. Mm -hmm. And that made a profound effect on me. You know, all people have the opportunity to act unwisely at some time or another. The Lord said to him, You don't know what kind of pressure he's under right now. You don't know what he's dealing with. Thank God Brother Rob didn't quit. He kept going because he has a wonderful ministry today. But what we want to do, guys, is we want to filter everything we see through that experience of somebody that hurt us. Now, hear what I'm saying and not what I'm not saying. I'm not saying people have not been legitimately hurt In the past. However, if we dwell on it year after year and meditate on it year after year and we don't move forward, it stunts our growth. I heard a forgiveness secret one time by one of my mentors. I wish I could take credit for it. I would. I'd I'd patent it. (laughs) He said this. He said, when it comes to forgiveness and things like that, people that have hurt you, he said, when that person crosses the street of your mind, if you can get that reference, that person just walks across the street of your mind when you think about them, do you react with hatred and bitterness and cursing? Or can you stop and say, I bless them. I wish them the best. I release them that their highest good, Very good. And then forget about it. Very good. Very we need to master that. It will affect your spiritual growth. Yeah. If you can learn, uh, that person I'm talking about that hurt me the most, anytime they cross my mind, I immediately stop and say, I bless them. That's been 10, 15 years ago. But you know what? Church hurt can last for years in people.
1: Yes.
0: And it, this, is, this is designed to hold people back. Yeah. Praise the Lord. If they ever did anything positive in your life, they either planted or they watered. But it's God that gives the increase. Yes. It's God giving increase. Amen. Yes. Praise Amen. the Lord. You know, some, sometimes people just look to be offended. Yeah. I see people all the time that their, their, their radar is up for something wrong. Yeah. I'm looking for the bad. So-and-so did this, so-and-so messed up, so-and-so didn't speak to me just right. I had a guy not too long ago that uh, talking about our pastor at the Irondale campus. said, well, he don't speak to me anymore. I said, he never speaks to me. And we were laughing about it because sometimes I literally do this, Brad. I'll go up to Mark and I'll poke him and say, I spoke to you. And we laugh. And the reason is, folks, is because on a Sunday morning, they're busy. There's things pulling at him. People pull at him. He's got his responsibilities. I'm his associate pastor. He don't need to mollycoddle me. But see, people get offended at things and they hold on to them and they're looking for a way to be offended. And they use it for an excuse to quit on Jesus. We don't want to punish every pastor or every minister for everything bad that's happened to us. Amen. So there must be planting. There must be watering. And God gives the increase. Amen. Praise the Lord. And I'm going to finish up with this one. Uh, Now like I said, mature people are open to receive this correction, but even further, like I said, they're open to receive it and they realize they need it. That takes some humility. Ephesians 4 talks about the fact that ministers were given to our life to help us grow. Yes. It mentions growth three times in that passage. Coming up from being children, growing up into Him, perfecting and maturing. Now, Galatians 6.1 says this. And I'll mention this just as a side note. Hebrews 13.17, when it talks about these ministry gifts that are in people's lives, it says this, Obey them that have the rule over you. That word obey is not one we love in this day of grace and submit yourselves and the reason for this is they watch for your souls. Yes. That's right. Folks you don't realize how much you need somebody to watch for your soul and to pray for you and to speak into your life. You know the Lord could have sent people anywhere in the world. There's a lot of good churches, there's a lot of good ministers. The Lord could have sent you anywhere else in the world but here today. That's right. But you're here today so get this. Yeah. The Lord hooked us up with life of faith. He could have sent us anywhere. So get this. Get what's being said. And He says, They watch for your souls as, as they must give account for them, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. Yes. Praise the Lord. And, and Melissa and I have always tried our best as, as, uh, as followers, as church members, not to give grief to those above us. For that's unprofitable for you. You know, giving people grief is unprofitable for you. Not as much for them. You know, I said this, that all that they're looking for is you. Not anything, from, not anything that, that you've got. Amen. Now Galatians 6.1 we'll close with this one. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in the fault ye which are spiritual restore such a one in the spirit of, me- of meekness considering thyself lest thou also be tempted. So the last indicator I'll give you about spiritual maturity is spiritual people are restorers. Yes. They look to restore people. If you get really skilled in the word of righteousness you can help your brother or your sister who's not so skilled help them speak into their life. Paul said this to the Corinthians church. He said, I became helpers of your joy. I go around saying this all the time. Every day I say this, Melissa I, we're joy helpers. We're faith helpers. We're peace helpers. We're going to lift people. You know, there's lifters in life and there's leaners. Anybody ever known a leaner? (laughs) Somebody just leaning on you all the time. I had a customer that way one time in business. That Every time my phone rang, I'd look at it and go, oh God. Because then he was going to lean on me. We look to be lifters. We're spiritual people that are maturing. Lift people. They want to speak something into somebody's life. That's right. They're not causing drama. They're not causing controversy. How can I help?
1: Yeah.
0: You know, I say this to my boss all the time. I say, how can I make your job easier? You know, he gives me great favor with him. Yeah. How can I make your job easier? He says, those that are overtaken in a fault. He didn't say sin. He said fault. We all mm. have faults. Mm. And th- things yeah. overtake yeah. people. That means it comes on them suddenly. It overwhelms them. You know, we, we're not talking about getting on to people for every little thing that happens. We're talking about you see a brother or a sister that's overtaken, ye which are spiritual, you which are mature, go to that person to restore. Now this is a great place. Now at Life of Faith, we talk all the time about one of our main focuses is to help people learn to hear the voice of God. This is a great place to practice hearing the voice of God. Yes. Is that when the Lord impresses you, go to Melissa. She needs some help. She's overtaken. Restore. Help her get restored. And it's not necessarily sin. You know, sometimes it's depression. Family issues. Health issues. Something going on in a relationship. Amen. Restore. Mend. Bring them back to where they were. Be a joy helper. Be a faith buddy and encourager. You know, we don't ever want to beat people up. There's been too much of that in the church. Beating people up. Praise God. We want to be encouragers. And here's the other thing. He says, do this in the spirit of meekness lest you also be tempted. What what Paul's saying there is don't think for one minute you won't ever be the person that needs help.
1: Because
0: sooner or later, you're going to need help and you want somebody to be a helper of your joy and to restore you. Praise God. There's a lot more we can say about that. A lot more we can say about maturity. But just know this, guys. We're all growing. We're all in process. The The Lord wants all of us to grow and reach the next level of growth. Praise God. Why don't we just stop for a moment and just worship Him, Lord? Would you stand with me for just a moment? Lord, we worship You. We thank You, Lord, today for light and revelation. Lord, I thank You today that as we've spoken, Lord, You're anchoring some things in people's hearts today. Anchoring some things in people's hearts. Oh, Lord, we thank You for revelation. That, Lord, our hearts are engaged with You today. We worship You, Lord. We thank You, Lord, that we're growing in You. And Lord, we do it with a a spirit of humility and a spirit of thankfulness. Oh Lord, we do recognize we don't know it all, but we're growing. Lord, we put those things behind us. Lord, I speak over everybody here, Lord, in Jesus' name. That revelation sink down into their hearts. And water the seeds that are on the inside of them. That they think with a new level of awareness, Lord, of how much you love them. That they can put things behind and move forward into their growth. For you're a good God. You're a wonderful God. Glory to God. We thank You, Lord. We thank You, Lord. I just see things breaking loose in people's hearts today. Things that have held people in bondage, they're just going to move forward. They're going to let some things go. Lord, we just let those things go. Anything that's held us back, Lord, we just let it go like a weight. We just drop it. We worship You, Lord. We worship You, Lord. We worship You, Lord. Praise God. Brother Kevin, I just was thinking about you this morning, brother, so much when I woke up. Just thinking about the heart that you have. Such a love for God that you have. Such a spirit of meekness about you. Such a spirit of humility about you. I just see I just see seeds that have been planted in you over the years. Just beginning to just sprout up and bring forth. You're about to grow where you are, brother. Well, what you started here as part of the pastor... Uh, here at, at uh, Life of Faith North is just the beginning. Yes,
1: Amen.
0: There, there's a growth in you that's going to mentor and going to pastor yes. and going to feed. So you you can borrow from the from the horn of plenty that you're part of, because <laughs> that same thing's in you. There's a supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ in you that can speak.
1: Yes,
0: praise God. And I see that just being a voice, a, a lifter of people, like like a human drinking fountain. You're just pouring out and pouring out, and it's never ending. It's never ending. Praise God. Let's just worship the Lord. We worship You, Lord. We worship You. We worship You, Lord. We worship You, Lord. We We thank You, Lord. We thank Thank You, Lord. We thank You. We thank You. Praise God. I just just love to see this family over here. You guys, man, I I look back and think where I was at your age and, and, and just think about the future that you have. There's so much potential represented in in these young people here, this family. Lord, I speak blessing over them right now. I thank You, Lord, that You're revealing unto them their call, their purpose, that today is a new step of growth for them, a new level of awareness over them, Lord. This family, I thank You for giving divine wisdom to the parents, that their love would abound yet more and more, and they would grow and begin to walk worthy. They're already worthy before You, Lord, but You show them how to walk in that worth, how to walk in that place of worth before you, bearing fruits of righteousness. Lord, I thank you that you guide them, Lord, that they're divinely guided. They'll know to take the right turn in the road. They'll always know the right turn in the road, Lord. And you'll reveal it to them, Lord. You're, you're raising their level of awareness. Oh, thank you, Lord. This next generation, leaders in their generation, influences of their generation, wherever they go, full of life, full of strength, full of wisdom. A wisdom that goes beyond their years, Lord. And thank you, Lord, for these parents right now. Oh, Lord, what a heart you see in them. Oh, thank you, Lord, for giving them just fresh, fresh revelation of how much you love them in that family. And, Lord, how to lead them. Thank you you bless them. You know what? uh, Paul said this. He said, when I bless with the Spirit... You know, we can all bless people with the Spirit. Let's bless this family with the Spirit. Basala, Lord, we bless them. We thank You, Lord, for increasing them. That there's a spirit of increase upon them and their children, and their family, and their grandchildren. A spirit of increase is upon them. A spirit of wisdom is upon them. And fresh revelation of who You are in them, Lord, and who they are in You. And Lord, that You live in them. You move in them. Thank you, Lord, that they'll grow and develop more than they've ever grown before, Lord. Hallelujah. Fresh revelation. Fresh revelation. Fresh revelation, Lord. A time of refreshing for them this morning, for the entire family. Oh, your goodness and your mercy, Lord. Thank you. Lord, we thank you. We thank you so much today, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Let's praise Him one more time. Lift your hands and worship Him. Vasi laga you're so good. You're a good Father. Lord, thank You that You take us deeper than we've ever gone before. You draw us out deeper, Lord. We don't have to touch the bottom. We're trusting You. You draw us deeper. Deeper into the things of God. Deep calls the deep. And this morning, we're calling deep out. <laughs> we're not going to hang out in the shallow waters where we can reach the side of the pool anymore. We're walking out in the deep waters right now, Lord. Where nothing is beyond beneath us but the everlasting arms. The everlasting arms are beneath. (laughs) Glory to God. Praise you, Jesus.